Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to my favorite hour of the week. This is 80s Wrestling, the podcast, a live podcast dedicated to the golden era of professional wrestling, the 1980s. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the man behind 80s Wrestling Con, the man behind the wrestling collector memorabilia superstar. Superstar. He's got his own independent wrestling thing going on. He's got his hands in everything 80s wrestling, including this podcast. He keeps letting us revisit our childhood, and that's why today I'm calling him Tommy, the human time machine Fierro, because he picked a topic of conversation today that is going to take us right back to our childhood. Good morning, Time Machine Tommy. See, here's the thing about Time Machine Tommy. His internet connection up there in the wrestling collector can be a little shaky. And so when I say good morning and he doesn't answer me back, that tells me that maybe he's got a connection issue, connectivity issue going on. But what we got going on today is one heck of a conversation. Tommy sent me a message saying, hey, how about this Thursday morning we talk about what people miss about 80s Wrestling Con. People can call in, get the conversation rolling, because there's so much good stuff about the golden era of wrestling that's just honestly missing from today's product. And some of that stuff we long for. Some of that stuff Some of that stuff we wish was still around, but today we get to revisit it all. Today's topic of conversation is what do you miss about 80s wrestling? The phone number here is 516-595-8295. And so if you're listening, if you can hear my voice and you want to weigh in on the thing that you miss most about 80s wrestling, give us a call you're here live with Jumpin' Jay, and I believe we got the human time machine, Tommy Fierro, back on the line. Tommy, good morning. It never fails up in the mountains there, brother. Never fails. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> What's we're going on, man? Have you back. Well, we're about to I'm get off the to, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, I don't know if you heard any of that, yeah, well, but it might have been a, it was a solid show. But if I weren't there, I knew something was up. Yeah, man. Uh, sorry about that. Sorry, I got disconnected. Can you hear me okay now? I can hear you now, buddy. We're about to kick off this awesome topic of conversation that you chose. And I, as I said in my intro, you were the guy that kind of keeps bringing 80s wrestling uh, going. You keep it going in everything you do out there in New Jersey. You keep it going in this podcast. You are the human time machine because you let us relive the greatest era of professional wrestling. And for that, I thank you. And I can't wait to hear your take on what you miss about 80s wrestling. Because I know there's stuff from that era that was unique. It was special. It was memorable. And it's things that we kind of wish was Yeah, man. Well, while I'm talking real quick, Jay, check your internet connection with uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you, you sound snippy on my end. Maybe that's why I couldn't connect. But anyway, um, yeah, man, I'm excited for today's episode. Um, this is why we do this podcast because we uh, we live for those moments as you know as kids when you were, we were younger in the 80s 
Um, and, you know, here we are 30 years later, 35 years later, still going down uh, memory lane, talking about our favorite uh, memories and wrestling and, um, you know, some of, some of the, the, the different uh, angles and storylines and wrestlers that captured our childhood as a, a child. And, you know, I, I say this in the past, man, I feel, I feel bad for, for people that didn't get the chance to experience what we experienced live back in the eighties. Like you can obviously go back and, you know, watch you know, everything on the WWE network or YouTube. And it's funny, man. I, and I said this in the past too, like the majority of the kids that come in my store, you ask them who their favorite, and they're five, six, seven, eight years old. You ask them who their favorite wrestlers are. They'll tell you Hulk Hogan, the macho man, the ultimate warrior. And these are, these are kids that, obviously should have no idea who they are, but with the power of the internet and the WWE network and, and all that, they can they discover them. But the cool part is Jay is that they're picking these guys from the eighties over their childhood heroes of today, whether it be Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or uh, Matt Riddle, whoever, whoever's the, you know, whoever's hot in the business right now, uh, a lot of the kids that come into the store, they gravitate towards the wrestlers from yesteryear, just like we do. Because if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're listening to it because you want to relive your childhood again, because those memories and moments, they last forever. And I think that, and I said this in the past too, man, it's many, many times. There's so many aspects of 80s wrestling that you can easily easily incorporate into 2022. I mean, there's so many different things, and we've talked about a ton of them in the past. But that's the topic for today's conversation. What did you miss, uh, or what do you miss the most about 80s wrestling? There's a ton of different things we could choose from, and we want to hear from you. You can give us a call at area code 516-595-8295. Once again, that's 516 516- Five nine five eight two nine five. What do you miss from '80s wrestling that's no longer associated with today's wrestling? And uh, before we take the first call, Jay, uh, what 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 are you uh, what are you looking forward to uh, revisiting the most? Yeah, well, there's definitely uh, technical difficulties because Jay just texted me he can't get back on. Um, so I'll, I'll keep talking. I don't even have the access to uh, get guests on the line right now because uh, he, he has the control pin on his end. So bear with me while I talk about uh, some of the things that I miss the most uh, about 80s wrestling until Jay can get back on the uh, line and he can take over and, and get the calls on. Uh, one of the first things that come to mind to me when I think about 80s wrestling and what I miss the most about 80s wrestling, and, and there's so many different things, and, and that's why we're doing this today, so we can talk about some of those different things. But one of the first things that pop up into my head is the enhancement matches from back in the day. And, you know, you can call it jobber matches. I don't like to use that term, but, you know, some people, you know, call them, you know, the jobber matches, whatever it may be. But back then is, is what was such a huge ingredient of making all of the superstars of the WWF back then larger than life because, you know, it's hard to get over 30 guys at one time, like today's product, when they're fighting each other and they're wrestling each other every week. 
back then, the enhancement talent, or you call them jobbers, or whatever, whatever it is that you want to call them, you know, back then, um, you know, they were used to make the superstars look larger life, whether it be Outback Jack, whether it be Hercules Hernandez, whether it be Billy Jack Gaines, all the way up to Hulk Hogan. But back then, you know, that job was so crucial and so important. And I think that it's something really, really, really missing uh, in today's business because there's no competition uh, like there was back during the um, – Back during the uh, even during the Attitude Era, it was Nitro against Raw every Monday night. Like you had to put those marquee matches on, but you know you're going to get the same. And Raw's been joined to pretty much the same audience, you know, give or take a number here or two. I mean, it's starting to go up now, but uh, the same audience for a long time. So I think that you're going to get the same diehard fans watching regardless. And you can use the enhancement talent to help elevate everyone, and you get more guys on TV, and you know you make them pay to go to the arena to see two stars wrestle each other. I know we talked about this and covered it in the past, but uh, Jay, I know you're back on and uh, thank you for uh, getting back on. And uh, hopefully I did a good job covering for you while you were trying to get back on. Can you hear me? Okay. Now, Tommy, I can hear you, man. See, you thought, okay. you, thought, you, thought, you thought it was all my story. You put the heat on me saying my store and the Wi-Fi. <laughs> There's obviously something wrong with the connection today, but there right away, be... run, run, make fun of my, my store's Wi-Fi. <laughs> There might be something wrong with the website today, but you know what I missed from the the 80s? I missed dial-up internet, or maybe that was the 90s. Yeah, I don't I don't remember having these issues back in the day. But listen, we got a caller on hold who was listening to this whole fiasco, and he's making the hot take to save this this intro. And I'm hoping his internet connection is a little better than both of ours this morning. I'm talking about Babyface Brian. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Jumpin' Jay. Good morning, Time Machine Tommy. How are you guys doing? Time Machine Tommy. Love it, brother. Listen, we're doing well. Yeah, that one was, you were coming through Christmas. That one was from so uh, that was from, got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just on my cell, but yeah, that one was uh, Jay's uh, nickname for you this week, Tommy, is Time Machine Tommy. You were probably trying to get through, and uh, that's all the credit to Jay on that one. And uh, and that's one thing I miss about uh, our childhood is we didn't have a cell phone in hand distracting us, so our eyes were focused intently on what was going on at uh, over here. I think it was 11 a.m. that Superstar – it was probably 10 a.m. on Saturday morning that Superstars of Wrestling came on, and I think the next day at 11 a.m. Wrestling Challenge came on out here on Sundays. And so when that came on and you, and you saw Vince and Jesse and Bruno – uh, or just Vince and Jesse on Superstars, they would talk a little bit. They'd go into that opening montage for Superstars of Wrestling, and then they would come back, and it was like, what is going to happen this week? And they'd show five pictures of the Superstars. They'd mention who they were. They'd be enhancing matches, like you said, Tommy. Once a month, once every other month, you might see a, a match that faced uh, that had two guys of, of substance facing each other instead of just an enhancement match to to build up the arena cards. So with no you know social media or cell phone in hand, it was something where we were we only had that hour. You might have recorded it, but still it was happening right then and there. Uh, you weren't watching it streaming back or something. So everything was like can't miss television, and 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 so some of that nostalgic stuff for me would be just the excitement every week of seeing what the heck is going to happen this week, the slow builds on the angles. Like nowadays you see 
Jay Uso on uh, WWE programming in the background with the smirk on his face, not not amused at all by Sami Zayn. So that's something that kind of touches back on the old days of a slow build and a slow angle that's that's cooking where you know eventually something's going to come out of that. Um, but that's rare in wrestling nowadays. Back then, that was something that there was all these different angles that were building the background and building towards house shows. And, uh, you know, that the, the other thing that, you know, jump into a different topic, but going to the grocery store with my mom, you know, it's just stuff as a little kid that you, you, if you go to the grocery store after school on a Tuesday, you're like, oh, good, it's it's magazine day. Let me go look at the TV guide. I'm going to see if Saturday night's main event is coming on this week, or I'm going to see if this is the the right day of the week where the wrestling magazines, the new ones came out. And do they have PWI who's on the cover? Is it WWF magazine? You know, did it come before my subscription came in the mail? So while mom's out getting whatever, I'm running over and I'm looking at the magazines. I'm looking at TV guide to see if there's a Saturday night's main event. I'm looking over, you know, here at Rayleigh's. So I'm going to, Oh, they got AWA Remco's. They might have some LJNs. Is there a new one I don't have yet? So, you know, there's there's stuff that, again, if you have kids like like you guys do, you can relive a little bit of that. You take your kids to Target. You're like, what new figures do they have? Or for Tom, you know, for Tommy, he's given that joy to everybody. Everybody who walks the door through the door, like Danny from Butler, you know, brings his kid in, and, and, and there's just this world of wonder of, of wrestling, you know, nostalgia and toys where the kid gets to say, what one thing do I get, you know? Or, or maybe he's like Tommy, he gets like 10 things when he goes and gets, gets toys. But, you know, it's it's just something where that that era can't be matched. And, uh, you know, one of the, the things on those superstars of wrestling that, that they they were building towards those house shows. So I loved how in my area they'd be advertising for a Sacramento show or they might be advertising for San Francisco that week. But when you heard about the next show coming up, uh, Killer Ken Resnick or Mean Gene Okerlund, one of them would say, okay, coming to Sacramento December 5th, we've got Jumpin' Jim Brunzel is going to go against Moondog Rex. And we got, you know, uh, B. Brian Blair against Moondog Spot. And we got... Uh, yep. And you, so you're, you're you're just so anxious to hear what's what other matches they got. We got Billy Jack hey, Brian, going against Brian, Randy Savage. Brian, hey Brian, really quick, just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I want I want to I want to piggyback off what you're saying. Uh, that used to make me yes, so sir. excited as 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 a kid hearing them talk about wrestling in my local market. I remember as a kid. Now back then, they would do a hundred different interviews of all different markets. So. Honky Tonk Man, I remember this specifically as a kid. I'm sitting there watching uh, I'm watching the show on TV, and when I was a kid, I lived in Patterson, New Jersey. And he's sitting there. He's there doing an interview. He's talking about his upcoming match. I forgot who who was against. But he says, everyone from, you know, Lower Island, New Jersey to Patterson, New Jersey, are going to be doing the shake, rattle, and roll with the Honky Tonk Man. He said, my town. That's oh, and you're just popping. You're just grabbing like, someone's ah. attention. He said the town I lived in. So I remember that specifically as a, as a kid also. They would always do interviews for that local market, which was really cool because it made you feel it made it feel more special. And then in the piggyback of what you were saying about the upcoming matches, how about when they did primetime wrestling and then you see the airplanes and the airplane flying, see the Super Sons of Wrestling on tour. 
this Friday night, Sacramento, California. Be Brian Blair and Cowboy Bob Orton come to town. Like, you, they would do that, too. And it was so cool to hear about your local market. Now, I'm sorry. Go back to what you were saying, but I missed that as well. Oh, no. No, that's – you're 100% right. Yeah, you'd be excited because on primetime, you might hear about a wrestler that was coming on that you didn't hear on Superstars or Challenge when they did it, you know, because basically I think they had – I want to say they had two segments per episode on each of those where after a match, they'd have a little minute, a minute to two minute interview uh, about one of the matches coming up. And so, you know, four weeks out from the event, you might hear Billy Jack Haynes talking about facing the macho man. And then later in the program, you've got uh, Cowboy Bob Orton talking about facing Roddy Piper in the main event. And then, in the you know the next week you might hear from the macho man talking about billy jack haynes at the same show you might hear you know uh, brett hart talking about how he's going to go head to head with uh, dynamite kid and, and so each week as you're building up to the event you're getting new interviews that are specific to your market where these guys are going and spending hours at a time market specific not just like traveling to uh you know six seven towns per week but also spending one day at tapings where they have to do, you know, an hour or two hours of, you know, market specific interviews. So, I mean, it was just, it was just a different era with a different build. And I mean, we know now that I can't take that, but that's one thing about that era too is, is the guys now they're lucky if they get two cards a week, three cards a week to hone their craft back then. It was hell on their bodies. These guys don't, you know, they don't last as long, but they got an opportunity to to work every night, hone their craft, give interviews, you know, sometimes at the building, they'd grab the mic, but every week they're working for just so much time to perfect what they're doing. So it's easy to see it in that light why the kids, when they watch YouTube, they gravitate, you know, gravitate towards Macho Man, Hulk, Ultimate Warrior, Roddy. These guys that were, were just getting so much more time to really hone in on what they're doing and perfect what they were doing. So again, in the long run, it's, it's, you know, shorter lives, but we did get to see this magical time of, of talent where they got to, to perfect what they were doing. And, and we had this, like I say, there wasn't all this extra stuff. So when they had a, a Saturday night's main event, they might have three in the fall and two or three in the spring. And then that was an hour and a half at 1130 at night. So usually you know, if you're lucky, your parents let you stay up for the first half hour. If you're, you know, young and they'll record it if you're lucky enough to have a VCR. And then you only had four pay-per-views a year. So it was just special. Or if you got to get in the car and, and ride for half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half, and go see a live show, those times with your family, it's just something you you don't get back. And they, and they would come to our, you know, Sacramento is an hour and 20 minutes from us. But we would go, we only went four times over the course of two years, and, and we saw WrestleMania three on uh, uh, closed circuit there, so five times if you count that. But those are all just special, memorable events, and, and I know you got to go a ton, Tommy, but that time you got to spend with your family in the crowd, on the way there, on the way home, that's just stuff you don't get back. And nowadays, you know, if you're lucky, they come to your area once or twice a year if you're, you know, not in a, a hugely populated area or they might have a, a pay-per-view in your area once a year, but it's, it's not the monthly circus that was coming every month or every other month to your area. So it's just different. And, uh, and I've rambled a bunch, so I'll, I'll let you guys respond and, and talk to some other guys. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, Danny and Tommy or Tom, 
Tom from uh, uh, Total Tom, the other guys, what they have to say as well. Well, Brian, thank you for calling in. You, you gave a lot of great information, a lot of great uh, nostalgia, and I'm just thinking, you know, part of it is, like you said, we didn't have cell phones, so we weren't distracted. But at the same time, there was no cell phones, so guys had the freedom to try things in the ring at a house show and not have to worry about it being recorded by a fan and put out on the Internet. It's kind of like the less we knew about the business, the more we were able to just sit back and enjoy it for the entertainment that it was. Definitely. And, and did you get to go to uh, a few shows in Minnesota? Uh, I know Tommy got to go a lot, but did you, uh, and you, I know, and your, I know you and your family saw the Bolsheviks headline one time, but did you go to several <laughs> shows or? <laughs> well, I, I went to a couple of shows, but as you were talking, the thing that kind of hit me was, I don't know the last time that professional wrestling on that level came to my town. I'm definitely was a B town on the tours in the eighties. The big shows would come to Minneapolis or to St. Paul, but I'm about an hour to an hour and a half North of those cities. And so wrestling doesn't come to my town, but in the eighties it did. Sure. The Bolsheviks were main events. So definitely was not the a card, but I don't remember the last time the WWF would have made a trip through my town. And that is definitely something I miss as we're sitting here and talking. I used to just have to go down the street to the local college to watch wrestling. And now if I'm going to take in a a Monday night raw or something, I have to drive down to the cities for it. And so that is definitely something from the eighties wrestling that, that I miss. Totally. Totally. And, uh, and like I said, I've rambled a bunch, so I, I appreciate the time. I love the topic. And uh, love everything you guys have to say, and I'll let you uh, yeah, get on to some other callers. And uh, and thanks again for the opportunity. I'll, I'll talk to you guys soon. Sounds good. Thank right, you, have Brian. a great weekend, man. You too. Hey Bye-bye. Jay, real quick before we move to the next caller, I want to make mention because we're talking about, you know, uh, this is something else I miss about about eighties wrestling is the amount of times the product comes to your market. I think that's something that it wasn't even that I have a I have a list of stuff that that I miss. I'm, I'm sure we're not even going to be able to get to all of it, but one of the things I want to mention is one of the things I miss is that the amount of times they come to my, they come to my area. Like if you're lucky, I'll tell you what, since the pandemic, WWE hasn't run a show in, uh, they did, they did Atlantic city over the summertime, but they used to run Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential center. And now all of a sudden it's, it's just AEW there. And actually they have a pay-per-view there next month as well. So I just missed the amount of, and there was, it was so cool back then because you, you would have the shows at the arena, the Meadowlands Arena, but you also get the, 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 the B&C shows where it'd be at a college gym or even a high school gym in New Jersey uh, back in the 80s. So I, I miss the amount of shows or the amount of times the promotion comes to my area. That, that's something I think that's missing as well. That's an excellent point. And on the East Coast, I'm sure they came to your area much more often than they came to central Minnesota. But to your point and to Brian's point, yeah, the the amount of time that they can come to your area where you can see them live is definitely less frequent today than it was in the 80s. Oh, majorly, man. They They used to be here monthly, both in New Jersey and New York. So, I mean, you can go to, I only live about 45 minutes from Madison Square Garden. So sometimes... You know, if I was lucky enough, my dad 
would take me to Madison Square Garden to watch wrestling as well. And, uh, yes, I mean, the amount of times you're in the market is just nothing compared to what it used to be. But I know we have another caller on us. Let's see what they miss the most about 80s wrestling. Yeah, and this is an exciting call, Tommy, because, as you know, we log each and every phone number, and this one is not in our database, which means it very well could be a first-time caller. Area code 708 could be the Illinois area. Good morning. Welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. You're live with Tommy and Jay. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, Jay, Tommy. My name's Jason. Um, I grew up in Chicago, but I live in Texas. And I've been listening to you guys for quite a while on the podcast. And, uh, you know, it seems like uh, every time I get ready to call in, I get busy with a conference call at work or whatever. But today happened to be a slow day and a topic that, uh, you know, piqued my interest. So, uh, you know, I'm 41. So I'm, you know, pretty close to both of your guys' ages. And uh, when it came to my memories of 80s wrestling, it really was that sweet spot of, say, 1987 to about 1992 or so. And what I remember the most is, you know, those house shows at Rosemont Horizon. And uh, it was just a different feel back then. I mean, I know the building's still there. Uh, it's been all-state arena for many, many years now. But when it was Rosemont Horizon, it was a little more dimly lit. It was a little more old school and the way it looked and all of that sort of thing. And the shows were just unbelievable. I remember one clearly that I was taken to by my, by my parents with my brother. Um, it was in August of 1990. It was just before SummerSlam. And, you know, most of the big matches that were planned for SummerSlam, they had some sort of spin on at that point, like Demolition faced the hearts for the belts. And I was a huge, still am, huge Demolition fan. So I was happy because Demolition beat the hearts, even though they were heels at the time. They still were coming out to the music. And, you know, it was before they changed their theme and all that sort of thing. And before they started wearing those masks to the ring that they did around Survivor Series and such. Um, so it was really exciting to, you know, hear hear the theme music and all of that live, and it just had a different feel to it. Um, I think the main event of that match happened to be um, a spin on the Earthquake Hulk Hogan uh, feud, and it was something to the order of, I think it was Hacksaw and Tugboat against uh, Dino Bravo and Earthquake, something like that. And it was, um, you know, just a lot of star power and that sort of thing. But I think what I miss most about that generation and just that time is that in Chicago growing up, we did not have pay-per-view access yet. And they had already stopped kind of doing the closed circuit thing at that point. So only the suburbs had pay-per-view. And, and living in the city, there was just no option. So one thing I really miss about that time frame is after a big pay-per-view, you know, a few months or whatever go by, a couple, you know, whatever it was, going to – the, the local video store and just seeing all of those Coliseum video VHS tapes, which Tommy, I know you have a ton of in your store. And if I ever get out to New Jersey, I'll de definitely stop through there. But um, it's just one of those things where as a kid, I remember vividly walking in and even like VHS Coliseum videos that happened, you know, before I was actually watching as a kid, you know, you see like, the pictures of Andre the Giant on the cover and, you know, stuff like that. And it just kind of opened up my world as a young wrestling fan. And I think that was one of those big things 
that today is really missing because with everything streaming and on so many cable channels and everything else, it just doesn't have that same feel that it had. You know, I think your your last caller was talking about, um, you know, how there was only four pay-per-views a year. I mean, that was huge because then it wasn't so watered down. You know, the rivalries meant something. There was a lot of good storytelling. All of those things, the buildup was just enormous. So, um, you know, when I finally got my hands on, you know, whatever the last pay-per-view release was on VHS, you know, it was a huge deal. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, as DVDs and things like that started coming out, they became a lot easier to come by. And obviously, we got pay-per-view at some point. But um, I remember that specifically. In fact, it got to a point where in, uh, for Royal Rumble 1991, um, I had to go to one of the suburbs with my dad and my uh, at my uncle's house. And it was about, I don't know, an hour away or so. But he took me for that. And I remember that was the first time I ever watched a pay-per-view live. I was, you know, I think I was nine years old. So, um, you know, just really awesome memories like that. Jason, let me tell you something, man. I can listen to you talk for about the next hour. <laughs> I, I enjoyed everything you just said, man. I, I, I first of all, we appreciate you um, listening to the show for a while, and I'm, I'm happy that you able were able to have time to call in today. I'd love for you to call more in the future. I think I think Dave would probably attest with me, man. We, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed listening to what you had to say. What about you, Jay? Yeah, Jason, you're very well spoken. Thank you so much for calling in. And I think the whole video rental store is something that this generation doesn't realize how great that was now with everything on demand now with the wrestling network now with movies that you can stream that's a whole part of culture that was a big part of growing up walking in seeing the latest releases seeing the covers they get you excited taking it home being able to rewind pause like that's just a whole thing that was very special and i agree 100 percent the coliseum videos you would go into the video store and you would see titles that you never even knew existed. You'd get to see matches that never aired on your local TV, but yet you get to watch them on VHS and rewind and watch them again. And so I, I get streaming is amazing. The WWE Network, it's awesome to have everything at your fingertips, but that is definitely a part of the 80s experience that, that I miss as well. Yeah, totally. And, you know, one other thing I'll just add to to that same kind of conversation. You were just talking about the matches that you never got to see on TV and things. You know, you never knew what was going to be on Super Tape Volume 2 or whatever it was, right? So when you, <laughs> when, when you, when you got to rent one of those, it was like, when did this happen? Why didn't I see this originally? You know, things like that. And it was just super cool, especially when it was, you know, some tape that was specific to somebody that you were really a fan of. Like, I remember there was a Coliseum video release, you know, probably in the late 80s, I'm guessing 88 or 89, that was just about demolition. And, you know, I had a bunch of their early matches with WWF. And, um, you know, I just remember that being super cool, too. And, uh, you know, it's just, just a whole other world. And then, you know, it's funny because um, his son now is actually a Chicago Cubs um like a uh, writer on TV and he does podcasting and things. But one of the things I miss are those little segments where uh, Sean Mooney and some of those people would, uh, you know, kind of introduce the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the interviews backstage and all that kind of stuff, you know, pumping up the rivalries and things. And his son um, uh, is uh, like I said, a Cubs um, 
writer or broadcaster, and he does a lot of podcasts now uh, in the Chicago area. So every time I hear the name Mooney, I start smiling, thinking back to guys like Sean Mooney uh, doing his, you know, their back backstage kind of stuff. So all of that is, you Absolutely. know, totally missing from today, you know. Absolutely, man. Hey, real quick, I want to let you know, you're talking about the announcers. Last year, I had Craig DeGeorge for a virtual signing, and I, I've, been, I've been on him for years to do something. He, he doesn't do anything in wrestling, because he, he, right now he's a Major League Baseball announcer and also National Hockey League announcer. So, like, our, our schedules never meshed up with each other to do something, but I, I finally got to do something last year. And, yeah, man, that, all that stuff is missing where, you know, back then, you know, not only were the wrestlers stars, but, like, the announcers were stars, like like Craig DeGeorge or Sean Mooney, like you said, or even, like, the ring announcer, Mike McGurk, you know, like Howard Finkel. It's, it's just so different. And, and real quickly, before we go to the next caller, uh, you're talking about Super Tape, uh, Jason. So I went – I'm in the store right now as we're recording this, and I went over to my uh, my Coliseum videos that I have. We have a, we have a few hundred also. And again, it's, it's the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey, on Route 23. And I grabbed Super Tape Volume 2, just to give you an idea what's on that. The Super Tape Volume 2 says, featuring an exclusive profile on the Rockers. Bonus, including, this is at the front of it, bonus, including a blooper segment, including Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Rick Rude in a steel cage match. Now, this is something I want to see. I'm going to have to try and find the thing. I'd like to see that match. And then on the back, it says, over two hours of nonstop WWF wrestling action. Exclusive interviews and segments produced for the home video audience only, featuring exclusive blooper segments, some of the most hilarious moments from the WWF. A special profile on the Rockers, their best matches and exclusive interviews. Tag team mega match. Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake take on Mr. Perfect and the Genius. Plus, like I said on the, the front, Roddy Roddy Piper versus Rick Rude in a steel cage match. WWF manager profile on Slick. Also, never more. Well, I'm sorry. Lots more features. Exclusive matchups that's never been seen before. But I want to say real quickly, that's another thing I miss about 80s wrestling is that feeling. And you're, you said you're 41, so you're right around our age of going to the, you know, video store like Jay said and being able to you know, go and rent all these different videos. I remember I'd go home and I'd put in, you know, Best of Coliseum Video Volume 3 and that opening. And you see when, when Andre, the Giant, Andre the Giant would body slam Kamala, I was, like, scared as a kid because of the way the song was. And you see these two big men fighting. So, yeah, man, I miss all that stuff. But we, uh, we appreciate you calling in, man, and we hope that you call in again in the future. Yeah, totally. Appreciate everything you guys do. I definitely uh, remember uh, last year the Craig DeGeorge stuff because I was listening to the podcast when you were talking about it. And uh, I actually did, um, uh, when you had Demolition doing a virtual signing, I, I, I bought uh, an 8 by 10 from you guys that you shipped to me. So I appreciate that. Um, awesome. And uh, yeah, and I, when I go out on my, on my walks in the neighborhood and such, especially during the pandemic, you know, the last couple of years, uh, you guys are one of my uh, main listens. So thanks for taking my call. I always enjoy hearing yeah, what all the other guys that. have to say too. And uh, keep up the good fight, guys. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much, thanks, Jason. Call, call in soon. All right. Bye-bye. Well, there you go, Tommy. We got the, the point of view from a Texan. 
well, originally a Chicagoan, but transplanted to Texas. Love the fact that he's still in and he's got a great point about those VHS videos, man. That is something that you just that's that's in that time period that we'll never see again. Absolutely, man. Well, we're gonna keep the conversation rolling. Next up on the Wrestling Collector Slam line, all the way from Cincinnati, friend of the show, Tony. Good morning, Tony. Morning, guys. How you doing? Fantastic, Tony, what's brother. Up, man? How are you? What's up, buddy? Yeah, like I said, it's looking back to the '80s, man. It was just—it was a different time. Just a good time for wrestling fans. What are what are some of the things you miss the most, Tony, about '80s wrestling? When you think about your childhood and you think about watching WWF or NWA, whatever you're watching as a kid, what what what, do you, what comes in your head that's not in today's product that you'd like to see come back? I'd say it was just the larger than life characters, and and then the storyline would suck you in, the rivalries, just like you are on the edge of your seat as being like, and I'm almost 48 years old, so I'm right in that 10. 10 to 16 years old, watching WWF, and I used to watch the NWO and all of them, but just, just you get so sucked into it, and like, be on the edge of your seat, because like, you're rooting, like I said, it was a heel versus a good guy, hero, you're rooting for it, and like I said, when the heel got over, you were upset, you were emotionally into it, but nowadays, it's kind of like, it's all gimmick, it's all show, it's like, it's not that, it's going to suck you in like it did back in then. Tony, do you think it's a change in the product, or do you think it's just that as we got older, we kind of don't believe in the magic of it anymore, or do you think the industry itself has caused that change? The industry itself has caused that change, and like I said, it's just that the, uh, like I said, back then, I mean, it was just, those were your heroes. So, like, you would watch these guys in the ring, and you would just be like, like, marginalized heroes, and you would just follow them every week, like I said, you could, I'll go to the store, but my mom be grocery shopping, I'll, I'll be in the magazine section, looking through the magazine, see what's next, see what's going on, how that rivalry's going, so just, like I said, it's just a different product today, man, like, I tried to watch it a couple of times, it's just like, no, it's not the same, I gotta go, they make it too gimmicky. You know, I, I 100% agree that the industry is not the same, and there are times where I go, is it me? Is it the business? Is it the death of kayfabe? They kind of pulled the curtain f- too far back, maybe, and with yeah. the Internet, you know everything that goes on behind the scenes. I, I agree. I think it's the magic, and I don't think young fans have the same draw to the product that we did when we were watching. Yeah, definitely. They pulled the kayfabe way too far back on it now. So there's no, like, there's no, because you know what to expect almost every week. But back then, like, if you had a, a good guy turn heels, like, you were inspecting that. And it was just, because you, you're dark. They were, they were rivals. They hated each other. They were going to go after each other. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm sure in a lot of respects, pulling back the curtain of kayfabe has helped the industry itself because now they don't have to do the smoke and mirrors as much. But I think the long-term effect is it did kill some of that magic that gets people to buy in. And like you said, if someone was a baby face, man, they were our guy. We would, we just would cheer them on to no end. And if somebody was portrayed as a heel, man, we would boo them and we would hate them. And then when oh, somebody man. switched sides, it blew our minds. Like you said, Tony, 
We yep. couldn't believe what was going on. And so, yeah, just a magical time overall. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Back in back then, I mean, you're getting a little bit now, but back then you had, like, you have different, different organizations. So, like, when somebody would switch from one organization to another, it's like, oh, man, he's he's here now. He's going to fight. He's going to go after this guy. Now, if you don't have that much, I mean, it's just, it was just, it just from the product, from the merchandising, um, just everything was just so rich and so intriguing back then. Do you think, I know people say the wrestling industry is circular, meaning it has highs, it has lows, but it always seems to come back around. Do you think there's any time in the near future that they can recapture some of that magic and have another peak in the industry? No. I think it's, it's too one-sided now, and there's no, there's, there's not the, I guess, the, like the different setups, the different organizations that, you can follow and get sucked into. I mean, because, like I said, I remember, like I said, watching WWF back in the day, and then, like I said, on TBS station in New Jersey, watching WCW or NWO and AWA and all them. And so it's like you had more, like, product that was more rich and more, more intriguing than it is nowadays. I think those are all valid points, Tony. Thank you so much, man, for calling in and sharing your thoughts with us. We appreciate it. No problem. Keep up the great work, guys. All right. Thank you, brother. Well, there you go, Tommy. Another caller that says what we're missing is that that magic factor, that believability, that thing that drew us in as fans, made us buy in 100%. Man, it was just a special, special time. We're going to keep this conversation going it's a big part of the show right now because it's time. It's time. It's total with Tom time. Good morning, Tom. Morning, guys. Why don't you just give that new guy, Jason from Illinois, his own segment on this show. You guys are so in love with him. He calls him for the first time, and he makes some sort of impact on you. Oh, yeah, man. He was way more over than you were, buddy. <laughs> guys suck. Listen, Tom, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be very honest with you, Tom. When, when Tommy Fierro picked this topic, you were one of the guys that popped into mind, and I'm like, I know Total Tom is going to have some great insight into what he misses about his wrestling. So, listen, I'm all ears, brother. Yeah, I am also, I'm, not curious, I'm curious to hear what Tom's going to have to say, because I know Tom was a gigantic, uh, all kidding aside, a gigantic fan of 80s wrestling. So I would love to hear uh, from Tom, what is he, what he thinks is missing uh, from today's product that you can cor- easily incorporate from from the, the golden era? Thank you. It's today's character get over. Um, more, more, what we're trying to do nowadays is we're trying to appease the fans by doing more moves inside the ring, and we're trying to you know see how far we can go with our bodies and keep the action going. What needs to be done is they need to focus more on the characters themselves. They need to focus on the storylines. They need to focus on, I would bring back job squash matches. I would have two, three-minute matches where you're putting over the talent, not so much the other guy who's in the ring. I like the fact yeah, that, I, I said that... I said that at the beginning of the show. I like the fact that I think um, you can still do that. Um, you see, the problem is, is that there's two, there's two really big... Uh, companies right now and there's a couple other that are right behind them you have your AEW and WWE and unfortunately they're locked into TV agreements and they have to put on 
X amount of uh, hours, right? So it's very hard for them to, to do this. So what they have to do is they have to put on long matches and they, they stray away from building the characters. All they're doing is having these characters try and get their moves over. Now, there's some other companies out there like TNA, GCW, MLW, NWA, which, you know, they might have a shot at changing the landscape because they have TV. And what, they would, what I would do is I would bring back, like, the studio atmosphere, if you recall how it used to be mm-hmm. with uh, Tony Schiavone, um, you know, when he used to host uh, WCW and NWA with um, – I forgot the guy's name he used to do with uh, – you know, mid-Atlantic wrestling. But anyway, bring it back, you know, you know, a little bit. Instead of having two hours and three hours, bring it back to an hour and a half because I understand that an hour is not enough. Hour and a half is just enough time to get over the wrestlers, do your vignettes, get the storylines over, get the characters over. And please, let's stop beating the shit out of these workers. I mean, I... I'm scared for what's happening in the, in the future for these guys. I, I have a feeling like there's going to be another, you know, tragedy in the ring eventually, you know, because these, these guys are putting too much emphasis on doing the most crazy moves in the ring. And they're not even selling them. They, they'll, like, get up two minutes later. So what did that move actually do? The move did nothing, okay? If you go and you, you know, do a, a – top rope, uh, whatever, uh, smash onto somebody, they shouldn't be getting up. That should be a finishing maneuver. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody, everybody kicks out of everybody's finishers. There's a lot that's wrong with wrestling today. I think most of it stems from the fact that they have to put on too much product onto TV. Yeah, Once again, you guys I... are dumbfounded. No, no, brother, I'm not dumbfounded at all. I'm, I'm about to talk about what you just said i agree i agree with what you just said like back then jake roberts the ddt one two three that's over uh back in the day the heart foundation hits their finisher with the you know he picks them up close on once that's it nowadays you know it's not like that so yeah I, I agree exactly what you said i also agree with the fact that it should be it doesn't necessarily have to be a shorter show but there's so many guys in our contract that you can you can do those squash matches and you can do a talk show segment, and that's that's something else I want to I certainly uh, I really certainly miss. Whether it be the Brother Love Show or the Funeral Parlor or the Barber Shop, like that platform. I'm not talking about a talk show in the ring, like like Jericho's or Kevin Owens or any any current one. Like back in the day, where they would build a set, and you would get like Piper's Pit, you would get stuff over on that segment to enhance another character. My and I agree with everything you said, Tom. My thing is is that. I also look at it from a, a standpoint where it's, it's business and, you know, they're making so much money off of all these advertisers that want to be a part of Monday Night Raw or want to be part of AEW that it, it, it financially it might not make sense for them to, you know, do an hour and a half as opposed to three hours or two hours. So, I mean, that's – unfortunately, that's, that's the only thing. But, yeah, I, mean, I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, they can't because they're locked into agreements. I mean, I'm sure if they had a chance or a choice to maybe scale it back a bit, they would. But, you know, these networks, they're expecting X amount of live programming too, not just taped, live. Because I, I actually sure. still believe in the sense of taped because I think you can make things, you know, through the editing process look better and work better. And if something doesn't work, you can fix it. Um, 
And, and just getting back to um, the longer matches, I always enjoyed back in the 80s when you watched wrestling during the week and then the big card came around, the house show or the pay-per-view. Then you had the 20, the 25-minute, the half-hour match. Then you pulled out all the stops. It meant more. It meant something. Now I see it every yeah. week on Raw, and I basically fast-forward through the – you know what I do when I watch Raw or AEW? Through the matches. And I watch the interviews, and I watch the segments that try and put the characters over. Because honestly, guys, I don't want to watch a 20-minute match if I'm not invested in it. And a lot of times they have these wrestlers in the ring with no story going. And it means nothing to me. I think, I think Tom's right on the money, Tommy. I think everything he's saying is right on the money. The, the storytelling yeah, yeah. in the matches is completely changed. Everybody's doing high spots. True story. I'm listening to you guys talk. True story. This past Sunday, my 13-year-old son, not a huge wrestling fan, but he'll watch it occasionally with me. Sunday, he asked me, Dad, why do they call it a finishing move? It doesn't finish anything. And I said, said, son, you're right. I said, it used to. But you're right. One finishing move means nothing today. It's a a high spot that somebody doesn't even sell properly. And so you guys are right. The in-ring storytelling has changed so dramatically that it is tough to be invested and to watch and to the believability is gone because nobody sells and nothing means nothing means anything anymore. Jumping Jim, here's a quick here's a quick story from uh, Tommy's WrestleCon that you were at at the Menon Arena back in Mar- in May. Jesse Ventura was holding court. He was talking to everybody and he said he saw Tito Santana. Right. Mm-hmm. He went up to Tito Santana and he had a crowd, you know, people that were just taking pictures and talking to him, and he said, Tito Santana, this is the man who I had a match with. I forgot where it was, Boston Garden, wherever it was. He says, we didn't touch each other for the first 10 minutes of the match, Hmm. but we had the crowd standing on their feet waiting for us to engage. He says, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I went to go lock him up, and then I decided not to. I stuck, you know, I went outside the ring, and then Tito did the same thing. He says, we told a story without even touching anybody. And for 10 yep. minutes, this went on, and the crowd was at a fever pitch. They were salivating. They were waiting for something to happen. You could never do that today, but that's what's missing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, well Tom, one thank you very much for your call, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Just one topic I just want to bring up quickly. Uh, Mama Fierro's uh, pasta salad. From a couple weeks ago, we didn't talk about that last week. It was tremendous. It was tremendous. I ate it. I ate it after the show. It had the provolone. It had the salami, the tomato, the lettuce. And I thank her so much for doing that for me. I thank you. I thank you as well, Tommy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, jumping Jay, real quick uh, before we we move on. Remember, I told you a couple weeks ago. We had the audacity to ask my mom about bringing some. Pasta salad. The yeah, I remember. Sure I remember. She showed up not only saw it, but she brought it. So, so Tom did have an opportunity to eat Mama Fierro's pasta salad, and it was damn good. Nelson it, gave it four and a half stars. Man, that is fantastic. Fuck you. That's a five-star asshole. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to get Mama Fiera to send some down to Jason in Texas. I bet yeah, I'm talking about, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about Dave, not you. <laughs> I know. Hey, have a good weekend, fellas. Total time out. You too, man. Hey, that was funny. Hey. Thank you.
Four and a half star pasta salad. Fuck you, four and a half star. That's the best pasta salad I ever fucking had in my life. I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot. I know. You're getting, you're getting trying, more defensive nice... of your mom's pasta yeah, salad. Yeah, fucking right on to be defensive. Come on, man. That's my fucking mother's pasta salad. Listen, what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to end the show. That's heat. I'm Fuck assuming, you, Meltzer. I'm assuming Tommy Sheik has tried some pasta salad. We'll have to get his take at the end of the show and see, see what... Oh, he, what, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you right now. Let me grab him. <laughs> you remember my mom's pasta salad? Come here. Hello? Hello? Hey, Sheik. Hello? Uh, total with Tom gave Mama Fira's pasta salad uh, four and a half stars. Everybody 
would look like that. But think about the talent you would have missed out on. We're talking about guys like Dusty Rhodes. Would he even get a shot in today's world of wrestling? I don't know. You look at guys like the Big Boss Man. You look at guys even like Ted DiBiase and Jake the Snake who weren't body guys, but they brought something else to the ring. If you were subscribing to the notion that you have to be a muscled-up, athletic-looking individual to make it in pro wrestling, half of the guys that are in the Hall of Fame wouldn't have even stepped foot into the squared circle. And like you said, it's not about necessarily the body shape or the body type. It was about the character and how they brought something to your television screen that was different than the next guy. Everybody looked different. Everybody had a different gimmick. Everybody would carry themselves in a different way. It wasn't just muscular, athletic, getting in the ring, and who can outdo who when it comes to high-risk maneuvers. And you're absolutely right. That is one of the key pieces that is missing from today's product. Yeah, man. And, uh, I mean, and also, real quickly before I know we're uh, headed towards the end of the show, another thing I want to bring up is also the merchandise. And we've, we, mm-hmm. we dedicated our own episode to this in the past. If, yeah, Harry, you can go back to – 80s Wrestling Podcast on either our, our Blog Talk Radio website or any any um, podcast platform, and you can scroll back down and see about the merchandise. Uh, we did it. We dedicated a whole episode on that, but that's something else that's really missing. Also, like you, you see today, like dude, back then, I was thinking about this this morning before we started this episode. Everything was branded, whether it had been T-shirts, whether it had been posters whether it been, you know, um, foam fingers, action figures, uh, air fresheners. Like, I mean, they literally had the, the biggest stars, Jane, and we could probably talk about this for the next half hour. Like, all the biggest stars had their likenesses on everything, the bars of soap. I mean, there, there was all kinds of stuff, I think, kites. I mean, everything. Like, today, man, it's like it's so different. It's not like that anymore. I miss that. I miss seeing that. I miss seeing all these different – and even during the Attitude Era, man, they had a fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock were branded on anything that could possibly be branded on. Uh, I think that's something else I miss is, you know, and, and, and this – if you're an Age Wrestling fan, listen to this right now, and Jay, as soon as I say this, this is going to resonate with you. I couldn't wait to get the w, the new w issue of WWF Magazine or the program in the Winston Live Arenas and – and, and went to the middle of the magazine or program mm-hmm. to see the latest catalog of all the different merchandise that was available. That was my favorite part of the magazine, was going to the middle and seeing all the new merchandise for the season that they had and then ordering it. How about you? Listen, I still vividly remember. Do you remember? It was always, it was usually, I shouldn't say always, but usually the very center of the magazine You'd fold it open, and it'd have all the guys wearing their T-shirts that are for sale. It was like a double-page spread, and a lot of the T-shirts had like a cartoon version of themselves on the shirt. Listen, I, as a kid, we didn't collect things to have a collection. We bought merchandise to use, the figures we played with, the shirts we would wear, Listen, if I knew that the 80s merchandise was only going to be around for this short window of my life, and after that, you you couldn't 
see anything like that. Like today's merchandise doesn't even look the same as it did in the 80s. Man, I would have bought every single one of those T-shirts. Would have just put them away somewhere so that today I could have them framed up and look at them. Because there's just something special about that time period, something special about the merchandise. And that's why I'm very jealous that, listen, you're broadcasting this show from a collectible store. And so you do have some of that stuff hanging up on the wall that you can just look at. And I guarantee some of the items that you see walk in your store, as soon as you lay eyes on it, it immediately takes you back to a place in time when you were a 12-year-old kid looking at those magazines. And that's, again, why you're called the time machine, brother, because you just take us back to moments in time. And that merchandise, can you imagine if you knew now, if you knew then what you know now, Tommy, you would have bought every single thing in that magazine, two of them, and just kept one to look at. 20 of them. 20 of them. 20 of them. And, and I, anyone that lives in the New Jersey area, even if not, yesterday I had someone from Toronto, Canada come to the store, Jay, which was fucking awesome. Someone came away from Toronto to, uh, to see the store. They were, in, they, they were visiting New York City. And they drove to the wrestling collector because they followed us on Instagram. So if you're ever in the New Jersey area or if you live in the New Jersey area, definitely make your way to our store, the wrestling collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. I try and bring back that vibe. If you, and so you can, you can, you can say firsthand because you've been to my store. I, I try and it's, it's, it's night. I would say I'm looking around my store now. I'm walking around talking to you. I would say it's probably 80% retro stuff, 20% new stuff. So I try to give that vibe off of like you walk back into your childhood when you walk through that door. And I have a magazine rack of all magazines from the 80s and 90s. And I have a, a big rack of Coliseum videos and stuff like that. And there's like, I'm looking at a Hulk Hogan um, sleeping bag right now. I mean, you look around the store and like you see all this retro stuff from back in the day. So like that's, my, my goal is for the wrestling collector to be you're walking back into your childhood when you walk through this door. And I know that you can test that because you were here before. But, yeah, man, that's something else I really miss is all the merchandise. And, and you, you, you hit the nail right in the head when you said every, even the merchandise looks different. And, and it really does. Everything looks different. And just, I, I don't understand how they can't go back. And, I, and I've said this several times in past episodes, how they can't go back and recreate history again. Like, you, you see, like, a perfect example, Jay, like, you see bands cover other bands' songs, right? They, they put their own spin on it and make it their own. It's, it's a form of flattery, but you're, you're honoring them. So like there's, I mean, there's so many different things that today's wrestling industry can do. You're, you're looking at a formula that was freaking majorly successful. And for some reason, and I don't know why, no one, no one in this industry wants to recreate that formula. So, you know, one day someone's going to come along and is going to do it and it's going to be really, really successful. Well, and, and the truth is there are people out there like yourself who are involved in the industry that understand this. And one of the things that I look at and say, somebody gets it is if you look at companies like Mattel, while they produce new figures, they also have the retro line where they try to recreate the magic of the Hasbro figures because they know there are guys our age walking the aisles. And if we see a figure of a current superstar, we'll probably keep walking. But if we see a retro figure of somebody we grew up watching, 
we will stop, we will look at it, and there's a chance that we're going to buy it. And so I think somebody out there understands the magic that was 80s wrestling, and they're trying to, to capture a little bit of that magic by marketing to guys our age that have that nostalgic love for that era of wrestling. And so I think people recognize the impact it has and the potential it has to turn into dollar signs for companies. But what we really need is for big wrestling companies like the WWE to bring back a little bit of that magic. And part of it is just going a little old school. And yes, it might take modern day fans a little while to catch on to what they're doing. But I think in the long run, it'd be a smart investment because it's going to keep people of our generation interested in the product. But I think if they make the changes, it's also going to engage the next generation of fans. And there's going to be guys 40 years from now having a podcast like we're having, talking about the magic that wrestling was to them. Absolutely, man. I agree with everything you said 500%. And, uh, yeah, we can have this conversation all day long. I mean, there's a, a million literally a million different things that we never even brought up on today's episode that we probably missed about that time period. So, I mean, we could definitely do another episode on this, uh, but I know that we're running out of time. So real quickly, man, if you, if you don't mind, I just want to do a couple of plugs out. We've been talking about my, my store, the wrestling collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. We have uh, a couple of big signings coming up on Saturday, October 15th. So not this Saturday, next Saturday. We are having a Halloween party, Jay. Now, I know that you would be here if you were in New Jersey because Doink the Clown and Dink the Clown. The Halloween party, Doink, obviously, is Ray Apollo, the last Doink of WWF from 94, 95. And Dink is the original man, Tiger Jackson. They will be here next Saturday at the Wrestling Collector from 4 to 7 p.m. But the festivities start at 2 p.m. where you're going to have some – different Halloween activities for the kids. We're going to do uh, paint your favorite pumpkin. We're going to do a Halloween costume contest and more Good, goodie bags for all the kids. This is going to take place next Saturday at the Wrestling Collector. And then on November the 5th, we have Raven making his debut, his first appearance at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. He'll be here from 10 to 1 p.m. And then the following Saturday, November 12th, we have current AEW Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa, who's out injured right now. She'll be here on November the 12th. So we have a lot of different things going on at The Wrestling Collector. Again, you can visit us on the website at thewrestlingcollector.com. We have uh, two different options up on the on the website. You can join our Pro Wrestling Magazine Club. Now, Jay, I know that I sent you a couple, uh, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. I sent Jay a couple um, – magazines in the mail and let him tell you about it and you can also uh, get a uh, autographed mystery pack from all our past signings you can go three pitchers four pitchers five pitchers up to 12 pitchers uh, we randomly pick people in the uh, that we've had in signings over the last six months so we, we know that out to you as well but uh, Jay why don't you talk about the uh, magazines I sent you in the mail listen Tommy did a huge thing because he sent me a number of magazines and I'm not lying when I say when you open up the package and you see those magazines it does take you right back to your childhood and it makes getting mail listen normally as an adult when you get mail half of its junk half of its weird advertising that you didn't sign up for half of its bills and so to go to the mailbox 
and see an old school wrestling magazine, let alone a stack of them. I mean, it brings you back to your childhood. So right away, I was over the top excited. He sent me some amazing magazines. Uh, he sent me some Wrestling Eye, which if you listen to the show, you know we didn't get up in this neck of the woods. And so to have one is rare. I can charge people on my street a dollar and a half just to look at it, let alone let me read an article <laughs> to them. But I, I'm going to be very honest. A lot of times today, in this day and age, if you sit on the couch and you have your phone nearby, you're scrolling social media, you're looking at that kind of stuff. I kid you not. Since I got these magazines, and he sent me like five or six of them, every time I sit down, instead of reaching for my phone, I'm reaching for one of these magazines, and I'm reading them cover to cover. And it's just, it's perfect for today's topic, because these magazines is one of the things that is missing, is the fact that you can read these magazines and outline stories. The photos in them are unreal. It just takes you right back. One of them that he sent me was an actual program from a WWE event, which is it's a treat. If you haven't seen a program in a while, just to look through at the color photos and the storytelling, and you can tell they're setting up angles, they're furthering storylines. The one that he sent me, I, I've read it two or three times already, to be honest with you, Tommy. But right now in front of me, on my desk where I broadcast this show, I have a copy of the wrestling eye that you sent me. It's the one I'm currently reading. It's got this amazing picture of the ultimate warrior on the cover. It's got demolition on the cover. It's got article about Ric Flair versus the great Muta. It's got Jake Roberts. It's got the Rock and Roll Express. It screams 80s wrestling. And so, Tommy, I can't thank you enough for sending these my way. I have not had one out of sight, out of reach at my house since, since I got them. So thank you so much, man. That's awesome, man. And that's one – you're right, Jay. That's one thing else that we should bring up real quickly before the end of the episode was all the magazines back then. And I know someone stressed on there earlier, like going to the – convenience store or the food store and just seeing all these different wrestling magazines up on the shelf. And I, I try to recapture that as a wrestling collector. So if you, if you live in the area, we have thousands of magazines in stock. Again, it's the wrestling collector in Stockholm, New Jersey and route 23, or you can join the magazine club where I will ship you uh, magazines every month from the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. And for more information on that, you can head over to the wrestling once again, thewrestlingcollector.com. Also, we have autographed mystery packs as well. Uh, but, yeah, man, that's another thing that I really miss about 80s wrestling is those magazines back then. Just, and, and then also, too, real quickly, man, is I, I mentioned this on the show as well in the past. Like, when I was a kid, man, it used to be in the news, the sports section all the time in New Jersey. Because they, they had wrestling in New Jersey and New York all the time. And, you know, it would be, you know, a picture of Hulk Hogan, like, Hogan collides with Kamala tonight at the Garden, and there would be a whole story about all the matches coming up, and the next day you go back to the newspaper get the results. Like, just everything. Like you said, Saturday Night's, another call I said earlier, Saturday Night's main event where you would see the advertisements and the TV guides for it that night. Like, it was just magical time. And, again, I, I can't believe no one has capitalized on that strategy and did something with it. So uh, someone is going to do it one day, man. And, and here's the thing, WWE, they, they own all that footage already, and they own those concepts. Like, I don't understand how they don't go back to it. But obviously it's still working because you're listening to this podcast, and me and Jay are still here every Thursday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, talking about it. So obviously it left the lasting impression with many of us, right? 
Yes, it, it's left a lasting impression and will continue to do so. And before we leave the topic of the magazines, if you're thinking about signing up or having Tommy send you some, you need to do it. One, because the magazines are awesome. But the other thing that's going to catch you by surprise that you don't expect is flipping through some of these magazines and seeing the old school advertising that you haven't seen since you were 12, 13 years old. The advertising oh, yeah. in the magazine takes you right back to that place and time in your life as well. And then, of course, at the back of the magazines, the ratings, that takes you right back to a place and time in wrestling. For instance, in the wrestling eye that I have open right now, top 15 wrestlers rated by their wrestling ability, number one is Ric Flair. Number 15, Larry Zbysko. And the names in between are Shawn Michaels, Randy Savage, Bret Hart. So it immediately takes you back to that era. It's got the most beloved wrestlers. It's got the most hated wrestlers, the top managers, the champions of all sorts of different federations. And it really is a time capsule and will take you right back to a place in time. Absolutely, man. And uh, real quickly, before we end today's episode, Jay, while we were live, uh, on today's podcast, I managed to not only come up with next week's topic, oh. but also also booked a guest to be a part of next week's topic. So this is an exclusive here. Next Thursday, right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast, we are going to do an episode on one of my favorites growing up as a kid. Jay, I know it was one of yours as well. Mr. Wonderful. Paul Orndorff, and joining us next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast, his son, Travis Orndorff, right here next week on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. That is a huge announcement, my friend. You did all that while we were broadcasting this show? Yes, sir, man. I was I was going back and forth with him through, uh, through text, and it, it's all signed, sailed, and delivered for next week. Travis Orndorff will be live on 80s Wrestling the Podcast as we recount what very well could be Tommy's all-time favorite pro wrestler, at least involved in his all-time favorite angle, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. That's a fantastic show, Tommy. Oh, yeah, and I'm looking forward to letting him know that it it resonated with me. It's my all-time favorite angle in professional wrestling. I remember where I was. I remember how I felt. And if you haven't heard me talk about it in the past, I'll talk about it right here next week uh, as a special edition of 80s Wrestling the Podcast where we look back on the life and legacy of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with his son, Travis. It's going to be a good one, man. That's going to be a great one. And mark my words, when Babyface Brian calls in, he will agree with me. Paul Orndorff had one of the best LJN figures of all time. And so we'll talk about that next <laughs> yeah, week, too. He did, he did man. Hey, until then, brother, I hope you and your family have a great weekend. Hope you guys have some fun. And uh, we'll catch you right here next week on a special edition of E.D.'s Wrestling Podcast where we look back in the life and legacy of Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.